Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners. Welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you for joining us wherever you are in the world. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. I can't wait for this interview. It's going to be so exciting. And my guest today is Kenneth Kenneth Leth. Ken Leth had a remarkable near-death experience when he was eight years old. Ken has also had many out-of-body experiences, OBEs, including memories of leaving his body at his own birth. Ken recalls during his near-death experience a dark environment that terrified him, being rescued by an angel, a tour of heaven, a life review, meeting his departed relatives, an introduction to his son known as Jesus, and Ken was shown the future of the United States. Ken is the author of A Child Goes to Heaven, which details his spiritual experiences. This is his story, and this is his passion. Ken, welcome to Passion Harvest. Oh, Thank you for having me, Louisa. Um, it's been a while and I'm, I'm so excited to dive right in. And thank you so much for being on the show. You've had so many experiences, but I'd really like to start with uh, your near-death experience when you were eight years old. Okay. Um, well, it was because of sickness. Um, I had an appendicitis that the doctor told my parents over the phone Uh, that it sounded like the flu. So they kept me at home for a little over a week. Um, Then I just, I got worse and uh, I became extremely pale. So my mother was, you know, she got pretty concerned. Took me to the doctor and he immediately knew there was something wrong. And so an emergency operation was called for we lived in a very small town, so it wasn't but just a few blocks to get to the hospital. Um, I had, being at eight years old, I had no idea what was going on yeah. or, or what an operation really was. But I was in a, a small hospital room and two friendly nurses were pulling off my clothes and they started shaving my tummy with shaving cream and it tickled and I was laughing. and. <laughs> But as soon as they put me on the gurney and started rolling me away from my mother down the hall, then I got very scared. Mm. Um, So on the operating table, this is in 1963. So it was a small, yeah, a small hospital. So they used ether to put me under. So all I remember is a mask over my face and I was strapped down so I couldn't move, which scared me. And the nurse was uh, telling me to play a game with her and and breathe heavy, uh, pretend I'm blowing up a balloon. It was her instruction. So I'm sorry, can you hear my clock? Is it Um, like a cuckoo clock? No, it just bongs. Okay, that's okay. (laughs) No problem. Add okay. some ambience to the show. 
love a bit of music on Passion there, Harvest. There <laughs> so the, it's bonging as I'm going under the ether. So yeah. anyway, um, the sensation it gave me was at first I felt very dizzy, but then it was like um, my head separated from my body is what it felt like. And my head began to circle my body like the moon orbiting the earth is what it felt like. And then I was out black. So shortly after I was in this darkness by myself, there was a, a strange sense of, I still exist. And I wanted to know where I was. Um, but first I came with, came with this sensation that I am, therefore, I must go on. Um, so I started questioning where I was, what were my surroundings. I wanted to hear, I wanted to see, because I was used to those things. And it took a while for those things to come to me. And I heard it. It was like there was a voice. And it was like the voice was asking me, do you want to live or do you want to die? And I made a choice and I said, I want to live. Of course I want to live. Big concepts for an eight-year-old. Yeah. And yeah, and it was like my conscience was saying, or my consciousness was saying, of course I want to live. I want to survive. Um, and then I began to expand and grow until I became a ghost form of myself is what it looked like. I mean, I was wispy. Uh, I could see my arms, I could see my legs, but I could see through myself. I didn't have solid form. So you still had your energetic body. My energy, yeah, very well put. So um, I was there for a while before anything really happened to me. I just sort of existed and floated and I was just accepting that it was dark and it was quiet. I felt quite safe. But after a while I started feeling, or I should say I, I started seeing um, other wispy people, or I guess you could call them a ghost. And what I was seeing was people passing away on earth and going up toward heaven, I believe. And I could see them begin down below me, then float up and then go on beyond up high. And they could move. And they seemed very happy. Every one of them seemed very happy to be away from their bodies. Mm. And they all seemed to be really old, like grandparents. Right. But you'd made the choice. So it was like a to live. Yeah, it was like a natural death process. So interesting. So I saw this going on, and somehow I knew that these people were dying. Um, so I, I was wondering, why can't I go up? So I was trying to move, and that's when I realized that I had a, I call it a tether, but it was like a long silver thread that came out of my belly and went back down to the earth. And when I followed that silver cord, I saw down into the operating room, there was my body. And I was connected to it through that silver cord. Wow. And it kept me stationary. I, I would try to go up and I couldn't move. And I think, if I remember right, there was even a spirit that stopped, and it was like an older man. And he stopped to talk to me on his journey upward, and he tried to help me, and I couldn't move. 
So he finally gave up and just moved on. And I was okay for quite a while like that until I suddenly realized I wasn't alone. I started seeing eyes in the distance and it was just eyes, that's all I could see. First there were just a couple and then there were several and then there's like a group. And they seemed to be back behind a barrier that was darker than the darkness that surrounded me. Pretty soon they realized that I was helpless because I couldn't move and they attacked me. And uh -huh. I was terrified. If you can imagine to a small child, it felt like I was being attacked by wild animals. That's what it felt like. And to them, I was terrifying. I just uh, got goosebumps. I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, they realized that I couldn't save myself and so they attacked. Um, they had the ability to fly where I did not and they would swoop down and they would kind of hit me like in a body slam, like in the sh one shoulder and then I would spin. They thought it was hilarious. That tether kept me there stationary, spinning, which was very confusing. And then they would sit back and watch me spin and just laugh. Um, at one point I remember saying, leave me alone. And that made them laugh more. Um, and they imitated my voice. Um, if you can imagine a small child going, leave me alone. And then they would imitate it, but their voices were different. It was almost like they couldn't speak English. It was almost like it was a foreign language to them. Mm -hmm. So it was like an imitation. So they kept laughing and teasing me. It, it got to a point where I was being so tortured. I got so tired of it. I finally said, please God, make them stop. And I wasn't necessarily, I don't recall feeling like I was reaching out to God because at that age, I really didn't have a good concept yet of who God was. I think I was more imitating what I, I had heard my mother say. Mm. She was very religious. So I said, please God, make them stop. And instantly they stopped. They acted scared and they were looking around like, uh oh, we're in trouble now. And then I heard a voice in the distance and it was very far away and it was calling out and it was saying, hello, I heard you, where are you? Call back so I can hear you. So I kept calling out, I'm down here, I'm down here. Can you see me? Um, as soon as that voice got close, those spirits that attacked me flew off instantly, disappeared. And what I saw in the distance was a light that kept coming closer and closer until it finally found me. Um, it was an angel. It came for me. I called out for help and it was there. Um, I believe the word God is powerful. So yeah. anybody that is caught in a situation similar to that, if you just remember to call out for God or go looking for God, you have so much power within you, you don't know you have. That's what I discovered. So I called out for God. 
and this angel turns up and it was it was a man and a oh it was a beautiful man but um i even remember at one point i told him that he was very handsome but being so humble as he was he would not take that compliment he was just like oh well that's the way it is you know <laughs> he just wouldn't just wouldn't acknowledge it um he had a flowing robe and it was white um he had a horn on a strap hanging over his shoulder um he also had a sword but what i detected within him was kindness uh, gentleness and love he was really concerned about me and he was there to help and i knew it and it became apparent to me that as long as he was there i was safe so we, we talked um, back and forth quite a bit and he had to know, he had to find out why I was there. So he asked a lot of questions and he looked down into the, into the um, operating room. He saw my body down there and he understood what was going on with the tether. Um, you know, he just, he just knew everything. Um, and eventually he said, you know, your operation doesn't appear to be going so well, so I'm going to have to send you up like the others. And uh, I was okay with that. And then he stopped for a moment, though, and he was communicating up above us, higher. And it was almost like there was a yellowish glow, a warm, lovely light way up high. And he would communicate up, but he was using a language I didn't recognize. And I discovered that they were discussing me and what to do with me. And I think it's, this is very vague, but I'll share it anyway. Well, thank I you. I believe he told me that um, what was said was they, or those up above me, are looking for your relatives. Is oh, wow. Was, yeah, we're looking for your family. We're looking for your relatives. So I had no idea that I had relatives in heaven. I had no idea. So I go, well, okay. And uh, then eventually the angel said, I will have to send you up now, like all the others. So he took out his sword and he cut my tether. And then he put me in this clear bubble that was big enough and it, it even squeaked. It even sounded like it, was, like it could have been made out of plastic. And he put me inside this bubble and he said, I have to leave you, but this bubble will protect you from those spirits, those angry spirits. You'll be protected now. And he said, this will take you up like all the others. So he left. I could give you a little more detail, but there's a lot more to share with you. So I'm going to keep moving. Okay, sure. Whatever you feel comfortable with. Okay. So um, soon I realized that I was floating up above the earth. And it was dark. And when I looked even higher above, I could see stars in the universe. And they were, they were everywhere. And it was beautiful. Um, galaxies, you know, it was just lovely. And the higher I floated up, the closer I got to a cluster of stars that eventually turned into like a whirlpool. I could see it was like a whirlpool. And it was circular and it was slowly spinning. And I 
after a while, I realized that those lights that were inside that circular motion, um, it wasn't stars, it was people, spirits like me. And then I looked back toward earth and I saw they were like channels. I don't know how else to describe it, but it's like channels of people, spirits coming up from the earth, up toward this tunnel, just like me. And then I realized I was inside one of those channels as well. And there were people around me and some of them spoke languages I didn't recognize, but they all seemed very happy. So I was happy too. It's a totally new experience. <laughs> so we all, <clears throat> we, we all got inside the tunnel and then, the, then we were all separate, um, loose, I should say. And once we got inside the tunnel, it's just sort of slowly looped and we all just sort of went up and up and up. Brilliant lights, colors, excuse me, like ruby red, royal blue, emerald green, the most pure, thick, deep colors. Yeah. Like gems. And we just, it was just sort of like a roller coaster where we just sort of gently swooped and went up and up and up. But as we went further into the tunnel, it got a little more, I don't know, intense. Like it wasn't uncomfortable, but it went faster, it seemed. Mm -hmm. Then when I got to the end, I suddenly was popped out of the tunnel. I was all by myself and it was dark again, except for there was a very light, hazy light, like a cluster of clouds above me with a real soft light up there. It was soft like cotton. So my bubble continued to carry me up until I hit those clouds and then it just stopped. And I sat there thinking, you know, I've stopped. I could tell the motion stopped and what's gonna happen now? I just had no idea. Suddenly <clears throat> two hands reach out from inside that cloud, grab me by the shoulders and pulled me up. And then all of a sudden I was above the barrier and I'm standing there and there's a man in front of me and I had no idea who it was. He was a happy-go-lucky fellow and he was nice and he was cheerful. And he, uh, it was obvious he wanted me to be comfortable. Excuse me. <clears throat> so we talked a moment and we're trying to figure out who we, who we were and uh, I just didn't recognize him at all. And so he said, you know, I have some family just up here a little ways. Uh, my mom and dad are here. And he, he said, why don't we just go up here and I'll introduce you to them. So I went with him. So I'm surrounded by, I think there were, must have been at least 10 spirits, at least. And I call them spirits because I believe I was in the entry to heaven or a form of heaven. So I was surrounded by at least 10 people and they were dressed in old clothes like people who lived in the 1800s. Um, and their hairstyles resembled that too. And they were all talking at once and they wanted to know who I was. 
And I finally just backed up and I said, I am Kenneth Peter Lett. And two of the women, the older women that were among them, they sort of just took their breath in and we know that name. And so they got closer and they said, who is your father? And I told them, well, my father, my dad, my father, he, his name is Lyle. And they go, he's our grandson. <laughs> um, then the conversation just took off and it was overwhelming at first because I, it felt like I was using my voice when I told them who I was, but I believe the conversation actually was all telepathy, all telepathic, yeah, telepathic. And I wasn't used to that. And I was just hit with all these thoughts and questions all at once. They realized after a while that I didn't know who they were. So I, it was like they loved me immediately and that they wanted me to be okay. So they started telling me who they were. Um, so when the two women told me that um, they were my dad's grandmothers, they understood that I didn't, the concept of my dad having grandparents hadn't, I had never heard that. Yeah. He, he never talked about them. You know, I had living grandparents on earth and I knew them very well. Um, but the idea that they had parents beyond never occurred to me. Yeah. There was just grandma and grandpa to me, but them having parents, how did that happen? It just didn't register at first. So they finally started talking to me about it. And then it suddenly dawned on me, well, of course, grandma and grandpa were young like me at one time. So they had to have parents. It all finally just soaked in all at once. Um, then I was surrounded by family, all kinds of people that wanted to talk to me and share things with me and tell me about things they knew about my father. And um, it, was, it was a big learning experience. I even met a couple of my dad's school teachers who told me that he was a very good student. Wow. Yeah, that he was a good kid, you know. And uh, they asked me about school, I think, and I was kind of, um, well, uh, yeah, I try, you know. <laughs> but there was no judgment up there at all. It was all lovely and forgiving and just supportive, which is great. So um, eventually my great-grandmothers, and, and the two that I met, were on my father's side. Um, I don't recall meeting my great-grandparents from my mother. I might have later, but at first it was all focused on my father's side of the family. So then they wanted me to meet my two great-grandfathers. Um, so I did, and um, really nice, nice people. And then once I met my great-grandfathers, they kind of stayed with the women who had been their wives. They kind of stayed together as couples. I think they understood that when they were together, I, I put them in the category of grandparents then. Right. So it was easier for me to, you know. And, and again, you saw them all in the physical or an energetic body. They looked, yes, they, well, they were spirits like myself, but they looked 
yeah, they had clothes. Did they live and, in uh, houses? That's a bizarre uh, question. <laughs> or were they just there? They were just there. But as far as um, structure, when I first met my great-grandfather, Let, he was like uh, in a garden. And he was sitting in a tall chair like this. And that's partly why I bought this chair, by the way. Okay, great chair. I got to sit in my great-grandfather's chair when I was up there. And uh, it was a nice chair, but I didn't understand, you know, why they had chairs. But mm -hmm. I got to see it and I got to sit in it. So, um, <clears throat> so we talked and chatted. And, and in general, we just got to know each other. Um, then my great-grandmother, one of my great-grandmothers told me, somebody very special is coming for you. Uh, this is going to be an exciting experience. And don't be frightened. This person is very powerful. But they're coming to say hello. And they want to know you. And I said, okay. By then, I was just so happy and everything was so great. I just didn't care. Mm -hmm. So a woman showed up and she was wearing, it looked like, it was almost like a robe, but the cloth was very rough and it was very loose. It almost looked like a knapsack. But the one thing that stood out about her was her hair was all chopped and very uneven. And I must've said something about it. So then, my great-grandmother and this other woman started talking real fast about why her hair looked that way. And when I finally realized, she said, well, when I lived on earth, um, I cut my hair with a knife. She said, we didn't have scissors. I saw the image of scissors coming to me. And I go, yes, scissors. She goes, no, I didn't, I didn't have those. I used a knife. And that's why my hair is so uneven, she said. Yeah. Um, but then finally she, it just, it didn't matter to me though. I really didn't care because she had so much love inside her. She felt like another mother to me. Um, <clears throat> so then she said, I would like to take you and show you some things. Um, she asked my permission and I said, okay. So as soon as she got me away from my family, it was like I turned, her love grew and I've suddenly felt like I was a toddler being led by the hand. And at one point I was an infant and she was holding me in my, her arms. It was lovely. And she said, I have something to show you about your family because your family has a very long history. Um, and so she took me to a place far away from my relatives and she, and she said, here, look at this. And she just sort of waved her hand and a great big circular like a tunnel or like a cave opened up. And in it, I could see steps or levels. And the further back I looked, there, there were people at each level, like couples. Right. And when I, when I looked into the tunnel, it seemed like the further back it went, the older the generations of people were. Um, so I must have seen, I would say at least 10 generations. And then at the very far end, beyond all of my relatives, there was a brilliant light. 
and it was just glowing and very warm. So mother explained to me that she said, these are members of your family. They go back further than the people you just met. So um, some of them back a couple of levels, um, they were sitting in chairs. It was like a husband and wife type situation. And I remember one woman was sitting in a chair, very excited. She's waving at me and trying to get my attention. And I waved back. She was very happy to see me. And uh, I had no concept of who they were. But I believe that couple, that woman that was waving, I think they were my double great-grandparents. And since I'm from an immigrant family, homesteaders, in America. Um, my last name, Lett, is Danish. Okay. And uh, you go to Denmark and you look in the phone book, Lett is everywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> and a little side note, the Danes do not pronounce the TH. Okay. So, I'm sorry about that. I think I did that in the introduction. Oh. Please excuse me. <laughs> I'm called Hey You and I, I respond. So don't worry about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> um, they don't pretend they don't pronounce the H. It's just a hard T. So they say let. So um, there's an anecdote about the homesteaders. Um, when they when they immigrated to America, baseball was a big game. Swing the bat, you know, you have bases. And well, I know what baseball is. Oh, all right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the Danish kids would never volunteer to play turd base because they said turd instead of third. Okay. And they were teased. Okay, I've got it. They could not play, they couldn't say third, not properly. Okay, so going on, let's get back to the heaven part. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, So this entity that brought me here, I eventually just call her mother, if you don't mind, so you'll know who I'm talking about. So mother, said, so beyond um, all your relatives, you see this bright light way back there? And I said, yeah. Well, this bright light is coming to see you. It wants to meet you. And I go, okay. So I stood there and the light came closer and closer and closer until it was just brilliant. And it was right in front of me. And then all of a sudden it was a man. So I asked, who is this? And mother said, well, He goes by many names, but on earth, you may have heard his name as Jesus. So she said, wow. this is my son. Oh, this is, she said, this is my son. This is my son. So I must have met Mother Mary. Wow. Her son, Jesus. But she said, he goes by many names, or he's been called many names, which makes me believe that Jesus probably had other names through other religions, not just Christianity. Yes. So um, I met Jesus and he was really nice, but you know, in Christianity, I I was always taught that Jesus was such an important, powerful icon that he was like everything. Well, when he talked to mother, He talked to her with respect, like a son would talk to a mother. Hmm. 
And he would ask her if it would be okay to do something and she would give him permission. So I hate to blow anybody's image of Jesus being the answer to everything because he too was polite to his mother. So, um, and then mother was in control the whole time. My experience in heaven, mother was in control. So um, <clears throat> then at one point, um, Jesus says, I need to be alone with you um, and we need to talk. Or it wasn't talk, it was just, I need to be alone with you. And, and mother told me, it's okay, go with him, go with him. And I don't remember physically moving, but I was separate from her and I was with Jesus only. Suddenly his bright light just got bigger and glowed and surrounded me. Then it entered me and I was filled with light. And at the same time, a tremendous amount of joy. That light was the source of life. It was everything to me. I didn't need any sustenance except for that light. It was life, your it life source. Light. It was light. It was, the it was a life source. It was love. Hmm. Then he began to speak, and I lost the image of Jesus completely. It was just now a light, a brilliant light, concentrated at times, but most of the time it just surrounded me. And I expanded. I grew with it. Then I heard a voice, and the voice said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning of the and the end of all things. And at the time, I didn't understand it. But years later, when I was back on earth, and I remember the Bible passage of Jesus saying, I am the Alpha and Omega. When I heard that in church, I just sat up, because then it, it sparked my memory. Um, so that was said, and then we had a conversation, but it was like, it was no longer Jesus. It was like there was a deeper, more full voice. It was like Jesus brought me to God is what it felt like. And right. so when the Christians say that through Jesus, you can meet God, I guess, or you can know God, that's what I believe happened to me. So I met the father. Uh, there was no physical form, deep voice, just rumbling deep. Like when his voice echoed, it was like it would rumble in the mountains is the way it felt. It was so powerful. And, um, but we had a conversation and I remember at one point I was like a little bit frightened. I, I didn't know what to do. I still associated with the idea that I was a small child. Right. So his power was overwhelming. I, I didn't know what to do. But at the same time, it was complete acceptance and love and knowledge. Um, but we had a conversation. And it's starting to come back to me. But um, he, I believe he told me that he was going to send me back to earth. But, but let, me, let, me, let me go on and continue more of the story because... Um, that conversation I had with God might make a little more sense if I wait and kind of fill in the gap later. Okay, sure. 
So then that conversation with God ended. And then I was back with mother. And that was when I had my uh, life review. Um, I got to see my own birth. That's where it started. My short eight years on, on, on earth, it was all there for me. And at times, um, if I wanted to stop the review, I could. If I'd point to something that I really wanted to see closer, well, mother would let me kind of stop it and we'd look at it and How interesting. kind of review it. Yeah. And again, there was no judgment. It was just no. a review. Except for I did do something in my childhood that it was like mother said, we need to correct this, is the way it sounded. Um, and that was one time when I lost my temper with my brother. He was a baseball player and very into sports, and I wasn't. He was always trying to get me to play baseball, and I didn't like to play it. And um, so he was pushing me around one day and criticizing me for not playing baseball. And I got so tired of it, I picked up his toy baseball bat, and it was wood, and it was a little thing. And I wrapped him on the head with it, and it really hurt him. Well, mother showed me that happening, and she didn't like it one bit. And she told me, never strike another person and hurt them like that. Never. We don't hurt people. And then I just felt awful about it. I was like, oh, no, I'll never do it again. I promise I'll never hurt another person. And, you know, I never have since then. I'm 65. I've never struck another person to cause them pain. If I've done it, it's been a complete accident. Never on purpose, though. Um, so that was reviewed. But um, my favorite thing that I saw was um, then I saw my um, grandparents, my mother's parents. And when I was little, they came to visit the house a lot the house we were living in. And I saw a vision of my grandparents um, sitting around the kitchen table with my mother and I'm being held by mother, my mother. I was just a toddler. Um, and um, they were just drinking coffee, tea, whatever, laughing. And um, my grandpa started playing a game with me. He loved kids. So apparently I was just you know, just I wasn't sitting still and I kept reaching out and trying to touch my grandfather. And every time I did that, he acted like he was going to nip at my fingers. So I would reach and he'd go, <laughs> those fingers sure look tasty, you know, and he would he would do that. And I'd squeal and pull my hand back. And everybody sitting around the table were laughing. They just they thought it was hilarious. And then. And then uh, grandpa would. Um, he was, you know, ignoring me like he wasn't watching. So I was playing a game and I was trying to get close with my fingers and I was going to touch him. And he snuck around and next thing I knew, my fingers were in his mouth and he was, you know, kind of gumming my fingers. And yeah. I was squealing and pulling my <laughs> hand back and everybody was laughing. And uh, mother, she didn't actually say it, but I felt it. And what I felt from mother was, this is love. This is true love. Playfulness. Laughter. Um, enjoying each other's company. That's what she really enjoyed. She loved it too. Um, now, um, 
And I had aunts and uncles that were there, but they were young. They were like, they were still in grade school. My mother was one of the oldest in her family. So she was, she was having babies and I was one of them. And yet she had brothers and sisters who were still in grade school. Right. So I have an aunt that's only, I think she's only three, maybe four years older than I am. Gosh, big family. 11 kids. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so we saw all that. And then when the life was review was over, I guess I should mention my birth. Um, I noticed something about my birth that I did not like, or at least I should say it just stuck with me. And that was that the doctor was being really rough. Once he got me out of my mother, it was handling me. Apparently, I wouldn't breathe, and he spanked me hard several times before I finally started to breathe. Um, it was later in my life when I found out why. So um, that kind of stuck with me. Though. I'm going to have to yeah. ask you why. Well, all right, I'll I'll tell you why. <laughs> oh, only if you feel comfortable telling me, us, the world. <laughs> That's only oh, a conversation yeah. between us, Fred. I won't tell anyone. Oh. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> um, later in my life, um, back on earth, um, I'm married. We have a child visiting my parents. Mom and dad are getting older. We went for a walk. Um, my daughter, Jennifer, she was only about four years old, maybe five. Going for a walk in my hometown. And we went past an older house. And we stopped. And my mother said, you were born in that house. And I wasn't aware. I, I was like, no, um, we have a hospital. She goes, well. I was born in 1955. The hospital that I was familiar with was built in 58. So she pointed to a window, an upper, upper level window, and she said, you were born in that room up there. And so I was looking at all of it. And, and she goes, yeah, you know, and there was something kind of bad about your birth that maybe I've never told you. And she said, um, the doctor made a mistake. And uh, she said, I was overdosed on laughing gas. Apparently in 55, that's what they used to ease the pain for birth. Right. Uh, she told me briefly that um, my father was a hunter. The um, doctor was really old. He was a hunter. Uh, he wanted to take a cigarette break and talk with my dad during the birth. So the doctor took the mask that was, you know, with the laughing gas, he just set it on the table next to my mother's face, turned it on a strong stream and told her, I'm going to go take a cigarette break and talk to your husband. So when the pain really hits, just turn your head into the gas and take a breath and I'll be back as soon as right. I can. Well, he took a long break and when he came back, the mask was stuck on my mother's face and she was passed out. Gosh, okay. So the comment my mother said at the time that day was, maybe that's why you are the way you are. 
And I was like, what? What are you talking about? She's she'd never said anything like that to me before. It was like implying that there was something wrong with me. What? You know, I just couldn't, I couldn't understand. So I laughed about it. And for years after that, I would laugh about my birth and I'd tell people, yeah, my introduction to life was laughing gas, and I've been laughing ever since. Well, yeah, laughter is a wonderful medicine. Yeah. So um, she talked about it later. And that was when she was on her deathbed. Right. And I was alone with her in the nursing home, and she was on her deathbed. And she started admitting all kinds of stuff to me about her life and telling me stories about things I'd never heard. Well, she went into more detail about the laughing gas. Um, she felt real guilty about it. Uh, she felt like she had failed me somehow by allowing herself to get too much gas. She felt like she should have gotten away from it, but she didn't. And it almost killed her. She had so much of it. So much that she couldn't really function as she was giving birth. The, she had to be revived. And the doctor had to work on her a long time. So I have, a, I have a memory of my birth and I believe it's because I reviewed it during my near death when I was eight years old. Yeah. Then um, it just suddenly dawned on me. I remembered leaving my body during my birth. And I went to a very colorful place and I met a ball of light that we flew around together and I knew it was like a little girl and we flew around together and it was very enjoyable but another entity joined us and sent me back to my body and told me I had to be born so I went back to my body uh, beyond that the 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 uh, birth was really rough and uh, mom lo lost some of her muscle control the doctor had to use tongs and pull on my head to pull me out. It was really rough. And then I remember floating in and out of my body after I was out of mom and the oh, doctor was wow. holding me. And I wasn't breathing because I was fine. I, I was happy. So I was like half dead, I guess you could say. He kept spanking me to get me to come alive. And somehow that drew me back into my body. Um, and then when I fully entered my body and he hit me one more time, I felt it and then I cried. But mom told me um, for weeks after I was born, I was not responsive. She thought I was retarded. And the doctor even told her that um, he warned her that um, I might have brain damage because of it. So mom felt terribly guilty about it my entire life, but never told me. Oh my gosh, but you definitely, well, you don't have brain damage. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I have some strange tics, but you know. Well, we all, we all do. <laughs> no, I'm pretty normal. Normal enough that people get pretty upset with me, so. Well, normal, you know normal for this show. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> So anyway, so that was one of the things my mother told me. Well, and thank then, you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Oh, uh, okay. So back to your life review. That sounds fascinating. Okay. Back with to mother. The life with mother. With mother up in heaven. 
life review is over. And then Jesus was there again. And they both took me to like a barrier and it was like an opening. And they both told me, you can go through here and experience this if you want to. It was almost like they had to allow me to go there, like to spend, to use up some time is kind of what it felt like. Mm -hmm. So um, they were both there and they both told me that it's okay if you go through this barrier, barrier and you can explore this. And I said, okay, so I went through there and it was suddenly like I was floating and everything about the universe, all the knowledge, the structure, the way the universe is put together, all the answers you could ever ask about the, the meaning of life, it was all there. And I remember just sort of like floating and it was almost like I was slowly orbiting a huge planet. That's, that's what it felt like. And I was just going and I would see things and I would say to myself, of course, this makes perfect sense. But the main question that came to me that I remember now is thinking, why did I forget all this? Mm. Um, I, I've known all this, but why did I forget it? And uh, a lot of near-death people, when you talk to them, they'll tell you that they knew all this knowledge was familiar and they knew it, but they get back to earth and they forget most of it. Yes. And the very same thing happened to me. But I do remember certain things. I do remember that uh, the earth is structured so that humanity is ingrained with all living things on earth, like plants, for example, and how plants get nutrients out of the, gr out of the ground. But it's, a, it's like a cooperation, a living cooperation that feeds and grows that plant. But humanity is intermingled in all that. And so like we have an ability to help things grow. And I think spiritually, I've heard that spiritually we can, we can um, help things grow just by, through love and uh, bringing the light. Positive energy, down. thoughts as well. Energy, there you go. Yep. Sometimes I struggle for words. No, you're doing, you're, you're explaining and describing it so beautifully. Thank you so much. It's often I find with, um, well, any experiences, it's hard, very hard to put into words because it's such a visual experience. But you're doing a wonderful job. <laughs> Please continue. Well, thank you. So I saw that um, one thing that really struck me. And recently in the last couple of years, it really has come to me. I've heard others mention vibrations. <clears throat> when they were around all this knowledge, heaven was, excuse me, heaven was full of vibrations. And at first, when I heard somebody say that, I was like, hmm, vibrations. I don't really remember that. And then it dawned on me, oh, yes, I did. It was almost like I would go past like a wall or a barrier, but it was not hard, but it was like a place. Mm -hmm. And then if I would stop and I would listen, I would hear vibrations in heaven. Some of them were deep and rumbling and then others were like birds that were chirping and they almost sounded like singing but i could see the vibrations these barriers that i saw i could see the ripples of the sound waves going through 
And so when I'd stop and listen, I could hear some of them are far, far away and I couldn't see them, but I could hear them. And then some of them were real close to me. I was surrounded by vibrations and they were beautiful. And uh, it was like music. Um, another thing I saw, but I believe this was separate from being alone, floating through the knowledge. But um, I remember mother being there and she took me to a place where it was like, it was almost like the Mormon tabernacle. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but um, there were people and it was mostly women, a choir sitting in chairs that, you know, levels that went up. And it was like all the best singers of the world were collected there and they were singing classical music. And it was the most beautiful music I'd ever heard. So I believe, I believe that heaven, it's not a one-way street. We're intermixed with the universe. We're part of it. Um, it seems to me Christianity, they make it sound like we're here and we're separate and heaven is there and they're powerful. We're not. And we're darn lucky if they let us go up there and be part of it. Sorry, it cycles. What we do here, our skills, our love, our experiences, all those things go with us when we go up to heaven. And because I saw people singing and they were selected for their talent and their beauty, I believe God takes from us the beautiful loving things that we do. Sometimes it's our talent, sometimes it's our intelligence, whatever. And it's added to that collective in heaven. So I think we're a part of that knowledge that is up there. And we come down here, we experience things, we discover things. And when we go up to heaven, we bring them with us and God collects it. And that's partly what makes him so powerful. We are extensions of God. We are lights. We are spirits, spirits that are extended from God. So we're much more connected to him than what Christianity tends to tell us, or at least from what I was told, right. which was Lutheran, by the way. Um, they always, throughout my life, word that I always seem to get, the messages I always seem to get was that we're corrupt, we're sinners. Evil. And if we're lucky, God will touch us. Or if we're lucky, God will let us enter heaven. Hmm. You know, when I was eight years old, I didn't really have a lot of religious background. I didn't really have a strong concept of God. And yet there I was. So the message I, I often tell people is religion is fine. If you believe in your religion, that's fine. Just don't get caught in worshiping the religion. Mm. That's a man-made structure. It's a man-made concept. I don't think you have to go through a church to get to heaven. I'm, I'm afraid too many churches or religions give you the impression that if you don't go through them and if you don't repent and go through all their stuff you'll never get to heaven and you'll always be a sinner now i'm here to tell you i was eight years old i wasn't indoctrinated and i got up there just fine yeah so so god is within you within all of us 
is with all of us, yeah. And I believe even at my young age, I probably had the power within me to get rid of those spirits at the very onset of my experience, my death. I probably had the power within me to get rid of them simply by thinking about love and acceptance and God, and I want to be with you, God. I think that would have protected me. Yes, I, I was going to ask you about that. That's interesting. And just as you said that, um, obviously, it was a terrible experience. But the more fearful you became, potentially, the more, the more you attracted them. Exactly. Yes. That's, I couldn't say it any better than that. <laughs> well, I didn't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, you can, you can interview me and I'll just answer for you. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> um, I'd also love to discuss... I know you were, um, I don't know if it was in that in sort of stage where all information, the universal information, but you were given information about the future, your, the future of the US, some premonitions uh, of the future. It felt like that was separate from all that information. Um, mother, I think mother picked up on my loving history and the way I opened up and accepted the fact that there were generations before me, <clears throat> um, she wanted to show me more. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening. And please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.